Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Do you think I deserve your full attention? That's what I like to hear. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen, and I'm your host, Max, and joining me here in the booth is Gideon. Hi. And it's our second to last episode here. We're trying to do some cool movies. Uh, today we got The Northman, the latest uh, Eggers movie in theaters. And then we have Iron Man, the hit that started the MCU pretty much from the ground up. Yes, there were some Marvel movies beforehand, X-Men and Fantastic Four. We don't talk about those. Uh, we're only talking Iron Man and beyond. I mean, that's pretty much like the dating system almost for this, you know, before Iron Man, after Iron Man. So <laughs> anyways, which one do you want to start with, Did Let's do the Northman. Northman, all right. So uh, I just saw this last night in theaters. I had a great time. I was blown away by this movie. I saw, I mean, you and I, we both obviously saw The Lighthouse. We reviewed it. Um, did you see that other movie by him? I have uh, not seen it. I really want to, though. The well, Witch. The Witch, the, yeah. The Vavitch. Um, <laughs> it's it's not streaming anywhere, and I didn't get a chance to see it in theaters. Um, but I do want to see it. Yeah. I mean, we thought The Lighthouse was all right. I think you liked it a little more than me. I'm trying to remember exactly where we landed on that. Yeah, but I like it. I think um, it ended up mid-70s somewhere. I mean, obviously, you and I, we both gave it, like, super outstanding stores on look and feel and, and, and the visual aspects of it. Um, it was very, it was kind of a very artistic movie, I should say. A lot of symbolism, a lot of, um, deeper messages. Well, but yeah. The, but Northman, I think, is a little more straightforward. Well, that's the thing about Eggers as a filmmaker. I haven't seen the Vavitch yet, but I feel like <laughs> taking this into account, the lighthouse is almost more straightforward than we kind of give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think him as a as a director and a storyteller tends to lean towards the straightforward and like the sort of base nature in all of us. Um, and especially those historical uh, type settings and historical type settings sort of, and the, the way those lend themselves towards more more straightforward. And he kind of allows the the details of of the history to bring nuance mm-hmm. to the straightforward. But I mean, the lighthouse—they're just kind of it's two dot, it's two dudes sitting in a lighthouse. It's not that complicated. Yeah, but also that's kind of a tough uh, <clears throat> story to write when it's just you know two guys in essentially an isolated location. The right. I guess time. what I mean in this is just in the sense that like this movie is dude goes and hunts down his father's killer. Yeah. And that's, but, it, that's what it is. But I but I, I liked that. And it was, well, to me, the lighthouse felt like it was really trying to be very symbolic with a lot of things. And what do these characters represent? And are they, is it truly like a real place that they're in? Or is this possibly like a purgatory for one of them? And like, there's a lot of things that have gone into much deeper dives. Uh there's some great videos on YouTube that kind of break it down, but with with Northman, I yeah, you're right. It is much more straightforward. I think it's a much more traditional story in general. No, um, I, you're you're right in the sense that it's 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 definitely more straightforward than the Lighthouse is. But but I but I do I enjoyed it just as much, if not more, because one, Skarsgård is a fantastic actor. He he does great. The action was awesome. The visuals were very good. Um, 
very fun to kind of see how it all plays out and how this kind of story of revenge and uh, almost redemption, I would say, too, kind of plays out. And it's just, it, it's a total roller coaster throughout this whole movie. And I was, I mean, you're never bored in it, no matter what. It always keeps moving, yeah, even though it likes to I really... Would push back on that a little bit i wasn't necessarily bored with this movie but it is there is the sense that it's it's um it is very uh light on what's going on which i liked that aspect of it the way that it's structured though is you've got kind of the first act and third act where the hunt for the revenge is happening where in the entire second act is kind of amleth just hanging around (laughs) Uh, under uh, what's his name's nose, um, which I his uncles. Th- I am fully on board with uh, Viking revenge vibes. Don't get me wrong. Um, I don't necessarily know if if that's a great way to structure an entertaining and great movie. Um, in in this case, so it's it's this it's the sort of thing where I'm like I'm not sure that's necessarily the wrong decision. I'm not like I'm not full bore against it or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, I'm just saying that throughout that second act where it is him kind of hanging out on the farm and doing spooky stuff. That was like fun it's just, though. It is, it, it, no, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm, yeah. I'm on board with the Viking spooky vibes, but it's like, this is not necessarily the best way to structure a story if we're talking about conventional rules and you're allowed to break convention conventionality like what, that's what definitely what did it break what are you saying like the entire time well <laughs> you don't want your second act to be nothing happens except we're just kind of sitting around and spooking each other <laughs> it's not that he's like just there's, beginning there's, his revenge it's it's really the the well, start of his plot let's hold on okay, before we get too so, far into this Gideon, let's break down a little bit of the story for it's people. hamlet it's not Hamlet. I mean, it's it not is me. literally Hamlet. Oh. I'm Hamlet is literally this, I guess, if you want to say it in that sense. But I, mm, I, I disagree a little bit. It, but, Hamlet but was it, literally based off of this story. Um, okay. Well, uh, Shakespeare's potential uh, ripping off aside here. Uh, just kind of a quick little breakdown. Well, I mean, it's not really ripping off when you're when you're using characters that are this like old and ancient. That's mm-hmm. I think if you if you're going to talk, talk about ripping off, these are the people that you should be ripping off. Is is old and ancient stories? I think we we tend to rip off things that happen. Ten, ten, this is a complete tangent. No, that's um, a, I get what you mean though. Yeah, we they, tend to rip off things that happened five years ago, but like everybody's been ripping everybody else off since the beginning of time. Uh, so if you're going to rip people off, you should be ripping people off who have been around for a lot longer than yeah. All right. Than other things. Um, but yeah, just anyways. a general thing. Uh, this young prince in in a Viking territory on the coast, his father is murdered. Uh, the prince escapes this, this coup, essentially, in the kingdom. Uh, grows up to be a warrior with a bandit clan, it seems. And then uh, kind of gets back on his life path uh, to avenge his father and... Uh, and and this whole like I don't want to get too much into details because this is still a new movie in theaters. There's nothing surprising about this movie at all. That's, there is not. That's true, there's but, like barely a single. I may maybe one slight surprise about somewhere in the middle. Uh, if you know, I don't know if you know what, what I think. I'm I, of, I think I do. Yeah. But like that's the one thing where I was like, oh, that's a little bit of a wrinkle. But everything else, it's 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 the story that you know where the the uncle kills the father and the son goes for revenge. Yeah. 
So, but it, but it's very artistic. It's very beautiful. It shows Iceland a lot, and it's a very just great movie to look at. I always, I, I think Eggers is one of the most impressive visual storytellers in in Hollywood. I, I would you consider him an auteur? I would. I mean. I've only seen two of his movies, so it's really but, difficult to to build an idea of an auteur with only two films down. Simply because, in the idea of like auteur theory, you generally need to have more of a sense of like the the director's thematic grounds, kind of what they're going to do visually. So, like from him, from what I know from him, I would he's like, you know, working with largely in historical settings, uh, working with. Um, I think he only does historical settings. Gritty. Well, I mean, yeah, with the three films we know, The Witch, which I haven't seen, but then also it's it's also historical. But I, that's like that's what I know from not having seen the movie. So if you think of somebody like, um, I don't know who's a good example. Martin Scorsese has a huge breadth of work um, that we can't we can't dumb him down to. Old man does gangster picks. Like, that's not what an auteur is. Like, we can't call Eggers a young man who does historical pictures. I guess if that makes sense. I'm not articulate enough to to say, like, actually what auteur theory is or how to define what an auteur is. I think he probably will be. I don't know. All right. That's fair enough. I, I just I just really can appreciate his his films for for the visuals and everything like that. I, yes. He, he has a very good sense of how to build an atmosphere above anything else i think yeah um from this in the lighthouse yeah absolutely uh i think well i I suppose okay so there's a difference between like auteur theory and so there's two different sides with auteur theory can mean like the director's body as a body of work as a whole and kind of like how it shows who they are but there's also like the sense that it's like uh the director is the author of the of the work Mm. so um, like when when talking about what is cinema, uh, Greta Gerwig answered the question. Uh, I know it on frame one when you can just tell that there's an author there. So basically, what she's saying is she's referring to auteur. I mean, she's not maybe directly referring to, you, but she's referring to auteur theory, which is the idea that the director is the one who who birthed the film essentially. And I think it's difficult to tell in this in the modern landscape because everything is so mass produced, uh, corporate product. Mm-hmm. Um, not made by written, individuals. Written by committee. Uh, written by committees. With um, this one, it was just. I feel like this definitely is. You can you can tell that whether regardless of our the qualms that we can have with the the story itself, which I don't. I'm again. I'm not saying are necessarily huge flaws. They're just things that I'm saying. Be aware of this. Um, I think you can tell that he's more or less telling the story that he wanted to tell. Yeah. Other than the fact that they made him take out the. Uh, graphic nudity that he wanted to include in the movie so there is that he wanted what? the end scene with the in the volcano to be like full on full nude like yeah. full like Greek gladiator type yeah. like which there was a lot of symbolism like it it almost looked like some of those silhouettes and everything when when they're doing that that battle it really did just have this total like Greek pottery like uh, or Greek mural uh, just of, of, of two two warriors battling kind of vibe to it. Yeah, right? I had somebody on Letterboxd said, bro, if I wanted to watch a dude with an Oedipus complex fight another dude in a volcano while his wife gives birth to twins, I would have watched The Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty funny, actually. I'll get, whoever that was, good good on you, man. That's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> wow. But 
overall, I thought it was a great movie. I had a lot of fun with it. I don't know why. So here's a weird story that happened while I was watching this movie. So I was in theaters. There were four people in the theater. Myself, this dude sitting right in front of me, and then a, a, a young couple. Were you in Oshkosh or Appleton? Appleton. Okay. And midway through the movie, the young couple just left. Yeah, I've seen that happen before. It's so weird. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> Who leave? Like, you paid... Like 12 bucks a person to get into this No, movie. I've definitely seen that happen before, and it's always weird. It's like, okay, I mean, good for you. Like, I thought bored. they were just getting I up. I thought maybe she wanted to just get some more popcorn, and he was just joining her. That's what that's what I always think, too, and they just never, and then sometimes and they, they just don't, don't come, come back. back. I'm yeah. like, uh, all right. And it was literally like an hour in, not even. Maybe an hour, yeah. It was probably about an hour in. So they missed the majority. I'm like, was the girlfriend just not digging the movie, and she just was done? Or Maybe. like if my if I ever had a girlfriend who just in the middle of a movie, unless it was like a horror movie or something, if she just was like, "Come on, let's go," I'm like, "No, <laughs> you can go." You know, here's you know, here, you take my phone, call an Uber. <laughs> but no, I I'm watching this movie. Like if I'm if I'm into it, but and I was into this one. If if I, if I was watching this with a girlfriend and and she said that she just wanted to go out of nowhere, like I'm like, forget that, no. But, uh, yeah, I think the thing that I took away from this more than anything is that it doesn't, I really like to see a movie like this and the lighthouse similarly, um, that sort of shies away from our modernist tendencies to present a world where there's nothing spiritual or mystical about it. Yeah. Like we actually have like weird stuff happening yeah, and it's I like very it was spooky really cool. and like, I, I don't, I'm not incredibly, uh, educated on paganism. Um, so I don't really know sort of the ins and outs of the way that that works or the his history of it or the way these people would have interacted yeah. with that. But it's it seems to be presented uh, sort of faithfully, but and and also just in the way that like we think of paganism and how they would interact like in in spirituality like today. Also, there's just a lot of I just like that the film is not shying away from that kind of stuff, regardless of what the answer it comes to. Mm -hmm. um, and especially like the fact that it's very at the same time physical and like drenched in dirt and blood and 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 stuff like that. So I think it seems to be always his movies like he's never afraid to shy away from like getting kind of dirty with the movie. Yeah, and I think and I think this is something that I mean, I don't want to say that <laughs> every movie needs to be like this because there's definitely movies that that are working for a different aesthetic, but I think the vet not, I don't even want to say the vast majority, but a lot of movies could benefit from having, even if they're even PG 13 movies that are not working in explicit uh, subject matter need this grime to them. I think uh, there's a lot of stuff that's very clean and the world that we live in is not a clean world. Mm -hmm. um, so unless you're using that kind of aspect to a certain aesthetic effect, I think that this is something that a lot of people can learn from, including myself. Um, so again, I think what I'm trying to say is that regardless of the story, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm really in the middle on it. Like I don't, there's things that I see that I'm like, I would probably change this myself. I don't think this is the best way to tell this story. Uh, especially the spiritual elements where they actually end up in the end. Um, I don't really, that's something that I don't necessarily need to spoil. Um, but just in terms of like where the Amleth character kind of ends up in terms of like his actions and how the movie views his actions as right or wrong and stuff like that. I don't think that it's my, I can't, I'm not really, I'm saying, I'm just, I'm not, I'm trying to say I, I can't judge it at this point in time, yeah. but I think regardless of my feelings on that, I'm glad to see a movie like this in theaters, regardless of whether or not it actually fully worked for me. Yeah. Um, I did think it was interesting that they decided to tell this Viking tale kind of late in the Viking era. 
because by about 900 AD, that was most of it was pretty much done. Like it was really, it was really ending because Christianity had kind of moved in and mm-hmm. it had shifted the culture. They of, do mention it once in this movie, which goes to my point about paganism. But yeah, and and even Iceland, especially at that time, would have, I think, by that point, been most. I, I might be wrong on this, but I believe at that time would have been mostly Christian. So, the I'm fact, just trying to think if that would if that would lay in thematically with what's happening here because they do have well, you have sort it, of these ancient god figures and things like that. I, well, I appreciated that their characters kind of like everybody they focused on. Anybody who was a focus in this story was um, still sticking with the with the Norse mythology and and Norse religions. Um, even though this is kind of late in that era. And I I mean, it, because they're isolated, it would work. If their culture is staying the same and they're not interacting with people who would have tried to change that, then it, it totally works. Um, because by the time, like by 1000 AD, I think already it was like Viking paganism was already out, almost out the door um, because they were getting converted by the Danes, by the Russians, by the... Uh, the Celts, everything. So it, there's a lot of history with that. But yeah, I, I thought it was cool that they stuck with it. Um, to answer your point earlier, there um, also about the pagan stuff, like there isn't a whole lot known about exactly the, like 100% of the rituals and everything. What we know is from a guy who wrote the Poetic and the Prose Edda, and that's where the majority of our basis on any information about pagan mythology comes from and that mm-hmm. was written around i want to say 1200 or 1100 by snorri uh oh my gosh his last name is tough uh solar Sol- or something like that uh but if you just look up the prose edda or the poetic edda you'd find it um but nearly all of what we know about their religion comes from that because it was one of it was just like native american culture where most of the info was passed down verbally um not written yeah so but anyways, I digress here. But why don't we get into our stores here? We got fifteen minutes, and then we'll hop into Iron Man. All right. Um, first impression. I was very pleased with this. I liked this more than the Lighthouse. I appreciated that it was a little more straightforward. I was kind of worried after I saw the Lighthouse that this would just be nothing but like kind of a slow slog and a lot of um, a lot of. Uh, symbolism and nothing else no this movie is more like it told in a traditional way and i could appreciate that and i thought it was fun and it wasn't falsely advertised there is a decent amount of action in this it's not overly actiony but it definitely makes green knight look like a walk in the park uh (laughs) which i almost wish we would have reviewed with this now uh knowing what we knowing what i know now but um yeah i i really liked this movie i'm gonna give it a in 8 out of 10, I'd definitely be down to see it again. I don't know if I need to see it in theaters again, but I would, if it's like on TV, which I doubt it'll ever be, but if it if somebody was like, hey, we're going to be watching this in my house for a screening party or something, I'm like, I'm there. Let's do it. So, 8 for me, first impression. Um, I'll go 6. Um, I liked it. I think 6 is a like it for me, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, it's, it's really straight down the middle, more or less. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't disagree. I think I think I wasn't bored watching it. Or anything. I, I again, I've said this before, but I really get I don't I don't get bored watching movies. Like even if they're they have to be really really bad. And usually, if they're really really bad, I don't get bored. I get mad. 
I don't know, man. I was really bored in some parts of Love Exposure. I'll tell you that. There were like I was just like ready to call it quits on that movie. Yeah, again for me, I wasn't bored. I was mad. I was annoyed. Um, <laughs> like a movie has to be annoying to be bad. Usually, if it's it's rarely boring. Um, it would be the word to describe what I'm feeling. But I mean, that's that's fair enough. Um, story is the next category. This one, I, I liked the story a lot. I thought it was cool, the different aspects of it, the future vision aspects of it, the the fortune telling, all of that was a lot of fun. Um, everything seemed to make sense. Everything seemed to work. Uh, I don't think they really needed to show this big gap of time between when he was a kid and when he's like grown up. And I, I just appreciated them just letting it be like, okay, this is where he is now. Mm-hmm. And usually I wouldn't be for that, but it kind of just, it was self-explanatory enough. So I didn't mind that at all. Uh, and yeah, everything about it. I was very pleased by the story. I, I, I don't know if it was the best story ever, but I, I mean, I'd give it an eight or a nine. I'm I'm probably leaning nine because there was nothing wrong with it. I, I yeah, it is very simple. It's it's kind of it's kind of like the this is the difficult part because it's it's Hamlet but less interesting. Um, so kind of the just I mean, I haven't actually I like read the, Hamlet all the way through. I like this yet, a lot more but, than Hamlet. I'll tell you that. Um, or even like the Lion King, which is Hamlet but less dark, basically, and with a happier ending. Um, I mean, this is, this is, it's more similar to the Lion King than it is to Hamlet. Um, but like Hamlet throws these interesting thematic wrinkles in there where you have like complexity in the character where he is stuck between, uh, revenge. And then he's like, what? I don't really know if I want to or not. And that's kind of what proves to be a downfall. Whereas here it's kind of a, Hamlet has this really, he's really hard headed. He doesn't really have a, uh, much of much emotional complexity um he's kind of like uh the viking man that's how they right are. no exactly so i'm <laughs> just saying that i don't know if that leads to a super interesting story um yeah and like i said before there's not very many wrinkles here there's nothing that's very surprising about it and like i also said there's not necessarily anything bad about that it's pretty straightforward there's nothing you can really knock it for um i talked a little bit about like morality i'm kind of talking in circles i'll give it a six again it's kind of like it's straight down the middle (laughs) Um, and there have been straight down the middle movies that have been great like think of mad max fury road uh, is a really great example of where we go there and we come back, and that's the movie. Or, or um, now imagine Starsguard instead of Tom Hardy in that. <laughs> I'd be down for that Mad Max movie. I feel like Starsguard is like the the guy for that now. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of other examples of of stuff that's more or less simple. Um, hmm. It's all right. I mean, let's yeah. let's just get into our next category here. I think moving. acting. I really liked the acting. Um, everybody's great. Like, this is my favorite Star Star movie now, for sure. Before this, it was that Tarzan movie, uh, which I, I guess I haven't really seen him in many other things, but he he can just play this kind of just totally ripped brooding, like, warrior dude and that's his type of role and gosh darn it he does a good job at him but very believable as a viking um i almost wish he like just had like a a role on the tv show vikings because he totally fits the 
fits the profile. Mm-hmm. Um, his father was fine. Will, uh, Willem Dafoe is kind of good in this. He's kind of this ridiculous jester, but I don't know, man. Dafoe loves loves being in Eggers movies, or Eggers likes ha- having him in there. Um, I don't know, man. Dafoe's been doing a lot of work lately, I feel like. He yeah. was in this. He was in... Um, well, he was in No Way Home. He was also in the... French Dispatch. He was also in Nightmare Alley. He was... He's cranking them out right now. Um, I mean, they really only needed him for like two shooting days for this movie, but yeah, <laughs> still. Oh, know. he was also in that Card Counter movie, which I have not seen yet, but I want to. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's he's been he's been putting in work, and I think he's pretty great in all those movies. I've um, never seen him in a bad role, I don't think. Like, he, he usually is holding it together. I, you ever see him do a bad job? I don't think so. I think he's got a pretty great track record. Um, like, I think Spider-Man is one of his best characters. Um, when he's Green Goblin? Yeah. He's good there. Um, I I think he did a fantastic job with, with The Lighthouse, though. I think that's, like, his magnum opus. He was in John Wick? Was he? He's listed in John Wick. I don't remember him being in that movie. I've never seen John Wick. That's like the big action series I need to see, but like they just cranked him out too fast, and I was like so far behind. Oh, the Florida Project. He's amazing in the Florida Project. That's one of his his best dramatic roles, I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, in this movie, he just plays a, a jester for a little bit, and kind of also like a, a I don't know how to describe it. Similar to Floki in Vikings, if you've seen that, he's kind of just this best friend to the or fr- friend slash ally to the to the king and kind of a jokester, but also a religious uh, member. Uh, so it's it's in, it's interesting how that all works. But he's very similar to Floki in that way. Uh, he's just not an inventor, I should say. But uh, uh, score for acting, I'll give this a seven. I think Anya Taylor Joy kind of carries the movie. We haven't even talked about her yet. Yeah, she's I found, great. I found her character the most interesting one here. Um, I think everyone else kind of is that sort of brooding macho Viking thing, which is again that's the story you're telling in it, and it has that kind of dudes rock quality to it. Um, but she really does bring a sense of complexity. Like her character actually has sort of complex motivations in terms of like who she's kind of loyal to, uh, both like the peop- actual people and uh, metaphysical beings, and then also kind of like what she wants because she's kind of stuck between the the violence and escape and protecting the future and all these different things. So she actually has these different motivations. Um, and like even even Amleth wouldn't even be thinking about any of that stuff were it not for her. Like his, I think he, because he said, he's, his, what's his, his rep, rep, repeated phrase? He says, save mother, kill, uh, kill uncle and re- avenge father yeah. or whatever. Like he doesn't, he's so... Um, but his, that protecting his future legacy is not even really in his in his uh, plane of view until until uh, Olga well, brings it up to him. He wouldn't necessarily. I mean, it kind like of he happens would, he when he's very doing that. Gladly first, died before meeting her. Well, he was and not having any kids. Yeah, he was. Well, he was doing that first raid, and then a different vision hits him, and then he meets her on the boat. So it wasn't necessarily her interaction with him started his up again it was more the interaction with that seer in the the destroyed roost village 
yeah, but really he, starts it up again. He that doesn't give him any desire to to propagate his kingdom, though. No, but that's what I'm talking about. Okay, but I I thought you were saying more his broader like getting back on track with his que- his quest. No, I'm talking things. about because the whole bit at the end of the movie mm-hmm. is the yeah. fact that he has or that that the, the future the, of his bloodline like the is. bloodline and the 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 divine right to bloodline mm-hmm. uh, continues. So that he he was not even remotely thinking about that. Yeah, no, his, um, his priority number yeah, one was killing. Whereas his uncle, I think it's so. pretty clear at the end at the end of the movie that this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the morality of of what his decision at the end mm-hmm. earlier. Um, like it's it's pretty clear that that's the the higher ideal than killing his uncle. Mm-hmm. It's it's of a higher order and of more uh, uh, importance, I guess. So the fact that he had not really even thought of that until she comes along to me points to her as the both more interesting and complex character, but also the more towards like the moral center of what's going on. Okay. Um, uh, but again, I don't even know if it's, you can assign a moral center to this movie in the sense that it is uh, centered in sort of this Viking mythology paganism. I don't really, that's what I mean when I say that, like I don't really know if that is even... Said I, I just don't know. Moral. I just, it's just yeah. it's a there's a there's there's definitely a, a a morality within a village or a kingdom or a society, but there's less morals obviously when they're raiding. I mean, for example, that's right at I, the beginning. Right. With the, I mean that. I mean, but that's also I I would say more of just a raider group. It's not necessarily tied in with a society of any greater sort. So in that sense, they're kind of you know. Uh, lo- lower than the bar would usually have been set, um, anyways. But and and typically it was the other way around. Uh, Rus Vikings were the ones that were typically raiding into Norway and Scandinavia uh, around that time. Um, but what was your score for acting? Acting, I'm going to give it an eight. Uh, look and feel. How can I not give it a 10? Again, it's like he's one of the best visual uh, directors ever. So in my opinion, him, you put him, Tartakovsky, uh, I'm trying to think of some other guys. Uh, Tarantino is decent when he when he wants to be. Um, what does that mean? In broader, in like, if he wants to do an, art, art, an artsy kind of broader, like his comparing his westerns to like some of his more mod, like movies like, I don't know, uh, Compared to like Reservoir Dogs or, or or Pulp Fiction, visually there's a lot more happening and a lot more beauty in his westerns than it is in his like modern well setting ones. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I think he's using more sort of landscape shots, but I don't think like that necessitates like the the Reservoir Dogs. Uh, I don't know Pulp Fiction though in terms of what he does using camera in concert with like needle drops and things like that to create a mood and a and a tone um it's it's unmatched in the the i mean it's it's created and it created the entire resurgence of the indie market single-handedly basically yeah in the 90s i'm not so, i'm not trying to downplay his overall role in in film in general i'm just saying i think tarantino has m- movies where if he really wants to just have these beautiful or beautiful filmography and in, 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 in situation, or I'm sorry, beautiful cinematography and all that. I think it's 
He, right. he has the potential, he I'm just say- doesn't tap into that what as much What I'm as he saying could. is that I, I don't judge the look and feel solely by whether or not it's uh, it's what we consider conventionally pretty cinematography, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like well, like I mean, the fact that, that Pulp Fiction is set in Los Angeles means that you're not going to get any landscape shots or anything that's that's beautiful. Like the whole point of that is, is that it's dirty and grungy. Yeah, but, um, but... It's literally called Pulp Fiction. So the whole point is that it's pulpy so if you made that. if you made it look beautiful then it wouldn't fit with what's going on but there's a difference in portraying la the way that movie does or compare it to um once upon a time in hollywood it's completely two different completely or different that things. that's a great example of within his universe uh or even something like uh falling down very different type of, of visual storytelling with that anyways eggers with this movie i'm giving it a 10 for sure i'll go seven um I think he has definitely a um, sense storytelling sensibility in historicism. I'm not entirely convinced that he is a um, incredible visual storyteller outside of like he he knows how to craft the world in front of the camera. He knows to not cut things up to shreds and so you can't see what's going on. Um, I'm not entirely convinced at this point in time that he knows how to move the camera within that world, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, it's not, again, I, it's, it's such getting into the minutia of things. That's really hard to, 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 you know, tackle without looking at it. I, like we're a radio podcast. We can't, we can't point, uh, visually with evidence, but I think what I'm trying to say is that he's not, he's not, he's not one of the greatest directors of all time as far as I can tell as far as right now like I, I'm willing to be back let him develop as an artist um, let him make a few more movies and then we'll come back and reevaluate this one okay. um, I'm not ready to give a final decision yet uh, seven is my core look and feel last category is experience I had a great experience with this I was leaving this like okay I got some real respect for him I thought it was a great movie I I had a blast I like when the theater is just nice and chill and I don't know uh Experience, I'd give it a nine. Yeah, experience is definitely going to be my highest category out of all of this. I'll give it an eight. Like, I really did have a good time watching it. Um, like I said, I, I love watching this type of story played out in this type of way. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, had a great time. I, the only part of it that... Other than the fact <laughs> that it's very uncomfortable and gross and kind of scary at times, but, I mean, that's part of the, the experience, so... Yeah. It, I had a lot of fun with that. Also, I just want to say the scene where he gets the sword, awesome. Had a ton of fun with that. I liked kind of this the mythical elements to it. That and hmm. yeah, I, I thought that was like one of so the that best. type of thing you like. Because um, I would, if I mean, because I, I, it's more sort of like you don't really know exactly what literally happened there. They kind of no, play it so you it's don't. More, but because I, 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 I think love of it that. is. I think of it as him kind of having just a, a, a spirit quest kind of moment. I mean, it's better than just like what the Green Knight did. And it's like he loses this this weapon and then all of a sudden, five seconds later, he gets it back for no apparent reason. It's not like that. It was something where you, you see him earn it, but earn it internally. Not necessarily, you know, what he sees and what happens is an internal struggle and then he earns it. And he's moved, and it's a stepping stone towards towards the right direction. I think, uh, but 
I don't know. I just I, yeah, I liked that. I thought that that's what it was trying to say, but I almost like rejected that reading because it's almost less interesting to me. I mean, <laughs> in the it sense been that cool it's just like just watching what's going on in his head, and yeah. then yeah. But, I mean, it would have been cool if they just let it happen. But I mean, honestly, if I'm about to take a sword from like a half decomposed, uh, you know, ancient burial site with a with a skeleton holding it, I would have been imagining, oh my god, what if this thing just jumps up at me? You know, <laughs> like I was feeling it. But then you get like Skyrim vibes because it looks like he's fighting a drunker there for a second, mm -hmm. <laughs> or Elder Scrolls, I should say. But it's I, I don't know. I had a lot of fun with that. I thought it was cool. I love the. I always love movies with like my mythical bladed weapons, mythical swords, and the ones that are just like except the Green Knight. <laughs> Yeah, but the, but he doesn't use it. He doesn't really use it in combat. It's just he like... He really chops the dude's head off with the sword. Yeah, that's <laughs> the, the one caliber. time. That's the one time, and it's like the mm. inciting incident. But other than that, he never uses it. And it's just like, really? And and he could have done it with any weapon. It doesn't... So, but no, I like, you know... Uh, you know, Golden Compass, you have the subtle the subtle knife. as an, Or, I'm sorry, his Dark Materials, you have the subtle knife uh, with... With Game of Thrones, you have Valerian steel swords. You have, you know, it's just, it's cool when they have something like this. So this, this sword from this movie kind of stacks up with that. I, I liked that. And, and yeah. I mean, you compare it to like Anduril and Lord of the Rings where you've got the, the shattered sword that's rebuilt and given to the rightful king. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's, that's goaded stuff right there. <laughs> That's but, probably like my favorite. That's that's cooler to me than Excalibur even is because I feel like Excalibur is, is another great example. Well, that's what I was but, talking about. That's the sword in the Green Knight, but I I thought you were talking about the axe. That no, I'm talking about the sword him. that he chops the Green Knight's head off with, yeah. which is Excalibur. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But I feel like Excalibur. I don't really know that world as well, and I feel like Excalibur is like the it's the name it's the name of King Arthur's sword, and there's no real narrative behind it. Whereas Anduril and Lord of the Rings, like, has actually got this entire history throughout Middle Earth and who's used it in Aragorn's, you know, great, 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 whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, fought uh, Sauron with it, and then it comes down and is re and like the reforging as a example of him uh, also being brought back into the bloodline and becoming the rightful rightful king of. Yeah, like that's that's my favorite. Would, would you stuff. say that sword is precious to him? <laughs> Uh, I had to mess with you there. I just had to see you know, like visual. I would like. not say it's precious to him because <laughs> precious is the term that Gollum uses to describe the ring, therefore meaning that basically it's a term we would use to say is something wielding things that's not rightfully theirs. So basically, uh, Anduril, and this is what, I, you asked me this the other day, you asked me what the main theme is in Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Anduril is actually a great example of this because Anduril is uh, Aragorn's right to wield. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, uh, and if, and actually, in fact, if he did not wield it, he would be uh, basically doing the, the wrong thing because he's not taking up his uh, his, uh, you know, f destiny, basic. I mean, yeah. is a corny way to say it. But the one ring, on the other hand, is Colin calls it his precious because he wants it to be his. He wants to to to. It's his precious because it it he it draw it's drawn to him, yeah. even though it's not his to wield. It's not anybody's to wield. It's the 
Mm-hmm. What, it's everybody's to destroy, basically. What's what should be done on, on the Northmen? Um, so you get you talk. You give me talk about Lord of the Rings, and I'll suddenly light up. <laughs> That's me with Star Wars, man. I get it. I understand. I just had I just had to, um, to mess with you there for a second. Yeah, no, but I mean, it is. A, I mean, even though you were messing with me, like it's an interesting point to make. Like, cause like I because you asked it as a joke, and then I like it actually has a legitimate answer to it. Like, actually, no, <laughs> um, okay. it would not be his precious. Uh, this is like if you asked me what is is the lightsaber that Anakin, Luke, and Ray use, who's who, who should have the title who of ha- that? Who's who, actually is who, it? Yeah. I mean, that, Anakin's? That, it is Anakin. <laughs> Thank you. There is only the one right answer. There is only that one right answer. But everybody, there's, that's been like the debate for the last like three years. And I think it's just to troll Star Wars fans a little bit. But all right, what's our final score? Um, our final score is a 78 out of 100, which puts it decently high. Um, yeah, Mr. Give it a six over here. <laughs> yeah, we're, we've got it at the same score as the Snyder Cut and the Attack of the Clones. So right. speaking of Star Wars <coughs> and Anakin's lightsaber, although he, does he get that lightsaber in that movie? Well, what's weird about that, man, here, here I'm, I'm trying to, to go off when, on Star Wars. Anakin starts with one... Because he has the one lightsaber he, and then loses it in that movie, right? Yeah, it gets... He... he <laughs> His lightsaber gets chopped in half in the droid factory. Right. Yeah. And then he, that's how he doesn't. That's why he doesn't have it. And then for the remainder of the movie, another Jedi just like tosses, tosses him, one, him one. And then he's using that for the rest of the of the the movie. But then, now so whether then, or not his lightsaber was, I don't remember what his lightsaber looks like while he uses it beforehand because you really don't see him use it a ton before the Geonosian arena. So or before the the manufacturing scenes. So. I don't know if that lightsaber looks like his normal lightsaber, but then obviously he rebuilds it afterwards because Jedi using other Jedi's lightsabers doesn't typically work well. Your 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 lightsaber is meant for you and pretty much only you to the extent that sometimes even you could essentially just wear and tear that thing down really fast if it's not yours, um, which... That gets into a whole other thing. Let's get into Iron Man. We got 20 minutes here. Let's do it. All Everybody's right. seen Iron Man by this point. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. starting off the MCU with a bang. Uh, directly competed with Dark Knight was essentially this other side to the coin here. Dark Knight was like this hyper-realistic, very serious um, movie on on superheroes and obviously Batman. And obviously, uh, a sequel to Batman Begins, which kind of set that tone initially, but Dark Knight kind of took it even more realistic. They reshaped Gotham visually in that movie, made it seem more real, uh, and then obviously has the groundbreaking performances of the very dark. Uh, I was Heath just Ledger talking about today in terms of how Christopher Nolan is is doing uh, Michael Mann and as a superhero movie. Yeah, but then but then you go to Iron Man, and it's kind of the other side of the coin where it's a very realistic superhero movie, but. It, with Iron Man, with yeah, with that first Iron Man, I would say so. Yeah. I, I feel like it's really trying to because it, it's it's trying to ju- like justify if a guy was to create a suit of armor like this, how would it come about? No, I it, agree. It, it, it does more or less follow logically. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, I mean, it, obviously, it's a superhero movie. It's not gonna make perfect sense. No, I in, see what you're. But, I know. I know what but you're you saying. You get my point. But it's also lighter hearted. Because it has comedy, it, it's it's most most of the action scenes are actually during the day. It it ha, it, it focuses on kind of less, uh, less modern troubles of like American society and more our troubles out, uh, w- dealing with like corruption and and international uh, 
relations with with like the Middle Eastern countries yeah. and stuff like that, and it goes into that. I mean, I think their way of kind of the turnaround for Tony Stark is 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 a lot more fleshed out, and I think a lot you can appreciate a lot more than like the turnaround for Bruce Wayne because Bruce Wayne starts out in in the Dark Knight movies as kind of just he has a sense of justice, but he doesn't really fully grasp his responsibility as like this Gothamite who has so much money and power and influence and he's just wasting it. And that was the whole point in Batman Begins when he goes just before he starts training. And then they just kind of briefly talked about how he learned to steal and do all this other stuff and how he kind of went low and then came back out of it, out of the criminal underworld, a better man. Whereas in this, you have Tony Stark who is essentially this in the same situation where he had lost his parents He's a rich billionaire in charge of this giant company, but he's this totally like cocky, brash, uh, totally full of himself party dude who is about nothing but profit. And then it takes losing everything and and also making his first real friend other than Colonel Rhodes, who at the point in this movie you could say isn't. I mean, he's his friend, but how close really are they? But he makes a true friend in in Jensen when he's imprisoned by the Seven Rings, uh, or is it Ten Rings? I'm trying to remember what the whatever the the terrorist group is that 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 takes him, and then you know he <laughs> has yeah, to use yeah. just his wits and 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 to come out of this, and in in doing so, it kind of humbles him, and then he realizes he is in the wrong and his way of living is in the wrong and he kind of comes out better and then he wants to improve the world and that begins actual his actual character change yeah in a superhero movie <laughs> yeah, unheard and, of and that's why I'm saying I it, don't it, believe it you it does that character change I think better than Dark Knight does for sure and in this movie just yeah and he never loses that fun you know the part of the, the fun loving cocky character he doesn't lose that but he also has this sense of a better sense of right and wrong by the end yes yeah. and and that's what i mean it keeps the character lovable but also you can really grow with them and appreciate them a lot more and uh obviously then it goes into him trying to shut down the weapons manufacturing obadiah stain doesn't like that and it begins this whole conflict of of obadiah trying to take over the industry and kill uh or take over stark industries and kill uh, mm-hmm. Tony Stark. Um, meanwhile, there's also him creating his first tr- like Iron Man suit outside of the one he used to escape uh, escape the terrorists with. So, and you have that, and it's him developing it. it. It's it's so much fun to watch him working on that. I can watch that montage like any day. <laughs> like it's so yeah. great. Just a, <clears throat> excuse me, classic. Classic movie. It's pretty much the superhero movie I think everybody should aspire to be, more than even Dark Knight. I really think so. Um, I'm actually looking at my favorite superhero movies list right now. What are your top three? My top three? Yeah, just quick. Do you, okay, so I have superheroes and then superhero comic book movies, because I have two on here that would not be, which All right, is well, The Incredibles the- and Unbreakable. Okay, and what's the third? Um, so if we're talking strictly like comic book movies that are also superhero movies, I would say Spider-Man 2 is far and away the best. Um, and then Dark Knight would probably be second. Spider-Man um, 2 never... I mean, him losing his powers never made sense to me because the whole idea is that the spider changed him genetically. That wouldn't just go away emotionally. Well, so yeah, it's not... It it's, didn't didn't really work too well with me, that logic behind it. 
It's not. It's not lot. <laughs> Sorry. It's not scientific. It's not like the. I don't think it's ever implied that he changes genetically back away from that. I think it loses his powers. He can't climb walls. He can't. Well, he loses his powers. It doesn't mean that he like literally loses his powers, but he can't use them anymore. Uh, I, I mean, um, but I mean, regardless of what, however much sense it makes, it's it's um, one of the the greatest choices to challenge a character in that way, and well, also in the way that it is a direct result of his own actions, um, and kind of the way that he goes about in the, in the world. But in like, how many movies do we have where the where the how many superhero movies do we have where the where the character loses their powers and how incredibly how much sense does it actually make to make like Logan I mean, does this a lot of movies Logan a lot does of superhero this. movies have them where they lose their powers I mean li- literally in that's a character centric like, way though I mean um, it's a little different but usually that's like the universal leveling of the playing field is that somebody figures out how to stop the power I mean Watchmen for example obviously if 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 John could just you know see into the well, future nobody all the- has powers in that movie except for John well, but but my point is story. the one guy with powers who could potentially stop this cataclysm from happening, they suppress his powers, then he then this the cataclysm happens and you know, yeah. it, so it I mean there's a million things. I, I, I could think of a, be- no, of I a better examples. I see what you're examples, saying. I see what you're saying. I feel like a lot of a lot of movies do it. A lot of movies do it, yeah. Um, well, I think Spider-Man 2 does it the best. Thor loses his hammer and his powers because his dad was like, you're grounded. Okay, yeah, you're and right. Then- I take back the point. It was not, <laughs> yeah. Still, though, um, Spider-Man 2 is the best. Okay, um, what's your next two? Unbreakable and Incredible. Well, Incredible. No, you were saying... Oh, with Dark comp- Knight and probably Logan. Logan or Spider-Verse. There's another one he loses his powers. <laughs> well, I said that like two minutes ago. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry I didn't hear no, you. No, it's all right. I was, yeah. Um... But like in that movie, he's losing his powers as a result of his 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 aging, which is the the whole kind of central well, drive of that movie. It, it wasn't um, his aging; it was there was. Uh, well, he's aging he, because of the the pollution getting, in his blood. Yeah, he's getting but, adamantium poisoning. Yeah, because of that. So, uh, but I'm gonna do a quick ID here. Uh, you're listening to ninety point three WRST FM Oshkosh. Uh, we're gonna be staying uh, on the air and doing an extra ten minutes here, just because we started ten minutes late. So we're gonna be taking you uh, uh, through this review up until six ten, and then we're handing it off to the music. So uh, yeah, I mean Iron Man. If you haven't seen it by this point, I mean go see it. It's, but I mean I feel like anybody who's listening to this has at least seen Iron Man. Once. I think it might be the best MCU movie. Oh, absolutely. I Without a doubt, I would say that's the best MCU movie. I can't think of one that I like more. I wish they would have kept the guy who played Rhodes in that one, though, throughout the whole thing. I wish they just would have been like, just just pay the guy. Like, you guys had a deal with him, and he was supposed to get paid as much as Robert Downey Jr. through, like, that whole movie, and then I think they tried to not pay him as much as he was owed. And then that big argument with him. I can't think of the actor's name, but then they just, like, canned him, and they did the next couple. Yeah, um, without him, and I really wish they would have stuck with him because he was a great Rhodes, and I I think he was more believable than Don Cheadle. Um, right, that's who Don played. Cheadle definitely fits into what the MCU is trying to do in terms of you know <coughs> that that he definitely has that quippy tone to him, and they totally use him in that way. So I mean, it kind of makes sense. I don't even I don't know why Terrence Howard got booted. It was, be- but it if was, it was because of what he how he wanted to play the character, that would make sense to it, me. It was, it was right. about them. He had a deal 
with Marvel where he was supposed to get paid as much as Robert Downey Jr. That seems a little bit weird. It was because they were taking a big gamble on this and they didn't know if the movie was going to be a big success or not. So they <laughs> were like, so we need this other big name in this. So they guaranteed him the same amount. And then I think the movie was a hit. And then they paid Robert Downey Jr. what he was owed because he was a star. But then Terrence Howard... Uh, like they they just didn't want to pay him or something yeah. happened with his contract where they just weren't paying him what what he believed he was owed so or what he was told he was owed yeah. so then he they could never rekindle that afterwards and that's why he's just was was swapped out um right um but but i mean he's still uh He's, he does a great job in this movie. I wish I would, could have been in a universe where he played him throughout the whole thing. I really would have loved to see him develop as Rhodes throughout all the movies that we've seen so far. Um, so first category for our scores then, I think. Yep. First impression. Oh, dude, I was blown away from this. I remember me and my dad, we went and saw this in theaters and it was just like the coolest thing ever. And I had a ton of fun with this movie. It was totally... Just you were you're just hyped afterwards. You're like, yes, like it was. It's like Baby Driver, one of those other movies that just you you feel so energetic after watching it. Um, I'd give it a nine. I'd give it a nine. Um, I don't even remember the first time I saw this because I didn't see it in theaters, and I don't even know why I would even watch this other than like the fact that. You know, once once the once the MCU starts to sort of take off, and I remember when the Avengers came out, that was the biggest moment of peer pressure in my life. When everyone's like, all of my friends had seen that movie, and I hadn't. <laughs> I love that the idea that you were like, I'm a man of conviction. I'm not seeing Avengers. No, 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 no. This is so. This is when I was 12 years old. So I I didn't have the sort of <laughs> you couldn't get I had your family no, to take I had what? No, no, I had no opinions about the MCU because I hadn't seen any movies from them. You hadn't seen any at that point? I don't think so. Oh, my God. Um, so I didn't see the Avengers until DVD. Oh, okay. And I remember the first one that I ever saw in theaters was The Winter Soldier in 2014. Um, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Uh, <laughs> uh so I don't think I watched Iron Man until probably around that time, mm. uh, 2012, 2013, 2014. Um, but I do remember how that that Just, time in that also in that same time is when the MCU had really started to build uh, momentum coming. And you think of the Avengers as being would for any other franchise would be the pinnacle of all achievements, um, but for them they were just getting started. Yeah. Um, but that was the time where it's kind of, it wasn't just a movie that you went to see. It was a thing that the culture would, like, everybody yeah. is involved in this at this point, which is just so weird to me. And I thought most of those early uh, MCU movies were actually pretty bad. I think, like, the first Thor was bad. I think yep. the first Captain America is bad. I think yep. the first Avengers movie, to me, was bad. Nah, I know most people disagree. One, I most think people it's one of the best ones, but... But I, I didn't like that. There was way too much going on. They didn't give anybody enough time. They were just trying to balance a million things. Hey, but you know what? If, if I ever become a scriptwriter, I hope I'm as successful as the guy who wrote that one because I think that was the most expensive script in history. Yeah, it was like a million dollars. Yeah, ju- yeah, he made a million bucks off that script. That was so. that was a sarcastic comment. Nobody likes him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and then obviously Thor: Dark World wasn't great. I mean, 
other than the the first Hulk, which I wish we were doing also uh, in this review, that I love that movie, the 2008-2009. Uh, yeah, I don't think Hulk. that's a good movie either. But he, see, now he got kicked off of it because he is apparently a nightmare to work with on set. Yeah. So, because he always has to, like, interject his own writing into the script no matter what he's doing. Like, he even forced himself into the writing for that movie, uh, and they just didn't want to deal with him for more. Um, even though I think he's a great actor. But, uh, yeah, so nine for me. What, what did you give it a score for first? Impression? I'll say seven or eight. Okay. Um, I think it's a good movie. Seven. All right. Uh, next category? Uh, story. I think, I think superhero movies, because they are sort of a specific genre, um, I think I like to grade genres sort of within themselves, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't you can't compare Iron Man as how good of a movie it is it is compared to like Goodfellas, Goodfellas or like the Shawshank Redemption. Like it's not. Yeah, it's <laughs> That's a better example right there. Shawshank. I, yeah. I think it's more so how does the superhero genre stack up against? How does it stack up against the superhero genre? How influential is it in this type of thing? Uh, is it is does it follow the the necessity the the necessities for the superhero genre, I guess if that makes sense. Yeah. Um and there's kind of wiggle room within that. Superhero genres can do so the superhero can still do a variety of like genres and tones to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But I think I still pretty strongly believe that you can't you can't do the thing where you're doing a quote unquote superhero comic book movie and then just like there's no powers. There's no. It's just everyday life. Or we're gonna do a crime thriller. Or we're gonna do so like it's just not a weird, Joker, <laughs> right? So it's a, it's that type of thing. And I, I I'm still willing to hear a, an opposing perspective on that. But I am pretty. And I said this. I've said this several times over the past few episodes. But I am pretty firm in my belief that that if you're gonna do a superhero movie, you have to have simple themes. You have to have uh, characters who. Uh, not necessarily super morally ambiguous, that kind of thing. And again, I don't, I know that people have counter arguments to these so things. So what's your score for this? Uh, my score for this is an eight or nine. I think it's a great superhero story, origin story. I'll give it a nine. I'm giving it a nine as well. I think the story for this is great. It, again, judging it as a superhero story. Also, yeah. Uh, so I think I'm going to change my first story to eight actually as well. Okay. Uh, next category. Acting. Everybody's awesome in this. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is great. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is great. Uh, Jeff Bridges is awesome. I, I everybody kind of overlooks him. I, I think he's kind of forgettable, honestly. Oh, but. dude, no, nah, I've never forgotten Obadiah Sane. I've always wanted to see Obadiah versus like, Whiplash. That is not one of his most memorable roles by any stretch. <laughs> I love the idea, like that line that they gave him. You know, they, we built the arc reactor, you know, just to shut the hippies up, and then I think with Cinema Wins, it's like, oh, the 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 Flins and Lebowski's of the world, like <laughs> just. <laughs> Just throw on that bat because he's always playing a hippie. Yeah. I thought that was great. I don't really like that either, but... But anyways, I, I thought he was a perfect, perfect villain in this. He was just the well, right amount yeah, of yeah. close to the main character, and he's kind of that reverse of the main character. I, I liked it a lot. Acting, uh, nobody's bad in this. This is, like, the best. Even Jensen's fantastic, so 10 out of 10 for acting. I think, like I said, to me, I didn't re- I didn't have the chance to rewatch this movie, but I think the only person I really remember is Robert Downey Jr. I, I feel like... He is defines this character like he is. He is who you. There's no way you could have cast this with anybody else. He is who you remember when you think of this movie. I think everybody else is. I. I. I don't know. Gwyneth Paltrow has been around long enough that we kind of know she's in this, but I don't think her character is anything super fascinating here. Well, this isn't as good Um, as Shallow Hal in terms of in terms of her greatest movies, but you know. (laughs) I don't even know what that is. Oh, Um, dude! I'll tell you after. It's a great movie. (laughs) 
But I think <laughs> yeah. you can't underestimate or undervalue what he brings to this. But I, at the same time, I don't think that everybody else here is necessarily doing anything super interesting or memorable. So I think I'll land somewhere in the middle at like a seven or eight. Okay. Um, um, next category. I'll give it an eight again because he is one of the greatest superhero performances ever. Yeah. Um, look and feel. Oh, and by the way, he nailed it. Like on the first, I mean, this is this first movie. He's kept that tone throughout the whole thing. He found it and he he stuck with it, and it it works. Yeah, look and feel. This movie is awesome. I love the look and feel of this whole thing. Everything about back it's when great. they used actual Iron Man suits on set, <laughs> that and just everything like the scenes in in Golmira were awesome. The scenes at Stark Industries, the whole final battle's great. Everything is just awesome in this. Not to mention, it starts out this trend of him having awesome Audi R8s right as they were coming out for the first yeah. time. Just, just great. So I uh, think the score kind of sucks. I remember the score. I can like totally vi- like I remember the that. The soundtrack is better because you who get does the Sylvester? No. I don't even know. I'm trying to think um, of who it does might the be Sylvester, but I think the soundtrack is better because you get those those heavy metal rock stuff, which is nice. Dun, dun, right. Dun, exactly. Dun, dun, and that definitely dun, fits dun, with the character, yeah. but I think the the rest of the score is pretty generic. Um and that's something that the MCU still hasn't really figured out. I think honestly, if I'm gonna be say one a nice thing about the MCU, it's that their scores have gotten better. Yeah. Um they've been one hundred percent. Like but so think of this as their one of their best movies with one of their I mean, I can't remember the score. I'll give it that, but um I think John Favreau does not necessarily have the most distinctive uh directorial voice. I think he is very fit to this type of story though. Mm-hmm. If you think about what the other stuff that he's done in terms of like Elf or like even like Zathura, uh, oh, yeah, that's very, Zathura. very simple stories <laughs> that he's really great at telling. And I think this is another one of those type of things. So ma- I think uh, that Mando. in terms of his voice in that, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of how mind blowing it is, it's not. I think the best thing about the look and feel is that you do have some more practical elements in play here. And that's what makes you believe the, Iron Man uh, suit. So I'll give this a seven. For look and feel? I just can't in good conscience give this a super high score when we have things like Spider-Man 2 that are using expressive camera movement in the genre. So again, this is a genre thing. Uh, When you have, I think, the genre of superhero, it needs to be more exaggerated, which this is not. I give it a nine for look and feel. Um, Experience. Awesome awesome experience. I mean, we got to wrap it up here, but I, I, I would... I, I love this movie. I'll watch it anytime you want. Total rewatchability. Had the best time with my dad watching this. I'm 10 out of 10 for this. I don't know if I can give this much more than a seven. Like I can I can recognize a lot of the things that are doing well here. I just can't remember my experience with it. And this is partially my fault for not rewatching the film. I just can't remember it. I can't remember how I felt watching it. I think I had a decent time. I think seven is the best I can do though. Just, just being completely honest. Also, I gotta say the first Jericho missile test scene that literally was the greatest, like, oh my God, moment in a theater of all time. Like, it's still, when you're watching that and that goes and he gets hit by the wind from it, you can't beat that. That is literally perfect yeah. cinema. That is perfect cinema. I mean, I, mean, you, I wouldn't say that. I would say that. That scene stands it, alone. It's a as, pretty great scene. Yeah. I think it's the greatest scene in all of the MCU, now that I think about it. That is it. 
I don't know. And so they kind of struck gold on that. What's our final score with that? And then we'll uh, final hand it score over is pretty here. high, actually. We got an 86 out of 100, which puts it in between Ooh. Shutter Island and Skyfall. Nice. All right. Well, this has been Script to Screen here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. Join us here at uh, the regular time, 5 to 6. Next week, that is our final episode, and it's been a joy here. Of the uh, semester and of all uh, time. Of all time. Uh, I mean, we should be drip-feeding some episodes on, on the Spotify as well. Uh, but for the most part, as in terms of new episodes, that will probably be our last one ever. So thank you for sticking around, and we will see you all next week.